Hello and welcome to Lunch with Lee. I'm your host, Shane Lee. Today on the show, two St George Dragons. Mark Gaznia, a former Australian Rugby League and Rugby Union player, playing 175 first grade games for the St George Dragons, 12 State of Origins and 15 Tests for Australia. He won the NRL Premiership with the Dragons in 2010 and after returning home from State Francais Rugby Union team in France, he won the 2010 NRL Premiership with the Dragons and post-career has worked as a commentator and with Oztag Australia. And Corey Pearson, a former Australian Rugby League player, playing 173 first grade games for the St George Dragons, Balmain Tigers and Parramatta. He's an all-round sportsman, playing both representative cricket and rugby union in his junior years and post-career has worked in both the horse racing industry and the gambling industry. He's one of my great mates. He's also my son Tom's godfather. God help him. Let's get started. Started oh, when the Saints go marching. Well, we've got a really good show ahead here, guys. So, on the show today, Mark Gaznia, a former Australian rugby league and rugby union player, and Corey Pearson, another dragon, a former Australian rugby league player. He's one of my great mates. He's also my son's godfather. God help Tom. <laughs> Welcome to the show, boys. Thanks, That's Shana. a brave choice. It is a brave choice, but uh, Corey is a great man. But it's really interesting, though. I'm a passionate dragons man. And uh, looking at you two guys, we've got Corey's a, a front rower and Mark in the backs. <laughs> Ball playing front rower. That's right. Like it. <laughs> but, but Mark, you still look magnificent, mate. And um, Corey, you, you've uh, looked like you've back, back your head against the wall a couple of times, mate. I, clearly, I know the front rowers do most of the work by the looks of things. Yeah, Shane, uh, thanks very much for that. Uh, but no, Gaz and I have uh, played 15 tests between us. <laughs> 15 for Gaz, zero for himself. But uh, now in the front row, mate, it was a it was a hard go, but um, very enjoyable. The the backs are always a bit different at the front rows. And <laughs> I remember a game at uh, Cogra Oval and and uh, St. George just merged with Illawarra and um, the salary cap was exempt that year for us. <laughs> <laughs> so we had a bit of a star-studded team and um, we made a break about 20 metres out and got up to the halfway line and, I thought I'll get a quick 15 or 20 metres here. So I did, yeah. steamed onto it. <laughs> Beautiful, thought nothing of it. Till the uh, preview the next day. And um, David Wade said, Corey Pearson, what the hell are you doing here? <laughs> and I thought, well, a little 15 or 20, not a bad run, Wadey. Yeah. He said, you've got Anthony Mundine on one side, Trent Barrett on the other. What the hell are you going to do that they can't? <laughs> so I thought, pretty good point, David. So uh, from then on, you morale. Morale was to get forward and then get out of the way. <laughs> and Gaz, what was, what was Corey like to play with? Mate, it was awesome. Yeah. Um, we used to, we Seeps had his pet play. It was yeah. a late sweep down the short side. Yeah. He'd tell the centers and the wingers, hold your width, sweep down the short side. The old <laughs> double pump goes straight through. He had no intention to pass him whatsoever. <laughs> sneak, sneak some quick meters, target the halfback or the center, quick play the ball, off we go. You're and, right, guys. Guys, you, you went over to, Played in France later in your career, but then came back for 2010. Was it mid-season to yeah, win the premiership? And, and um, it was uh, the coach then, the great coach from, from Queensland. Wayne Bennett. Wayne, yep. Wayne Bennett came back yep. to and got you back. How were how those times? Winning a premiership with the Dragons must have been magnificent. It was unbelievable. It was. It was funny, you know, because, you know, when you're a kid and you think we're going to win the premiership, when we, if we win it, we're going to go nuts and this, that and the other. And I think more than anything, um, there was a core group of us that had been there a long period of time. Uh, Benny Hornby, Matty Cooper, yep. Dean Young, Benny Cray. Um, and it was a shame that, you know, guys like Trent Barrett, Jason Riles, Luke Bailey that had been there mm. for a majority of the building. We had guys like Seepsy and Brownie, Coiny, Mary that 
really helped a lot of us young guys when we come into grade. So it would have been good to share that with a lot of people. But, mate, it was just uh, – it was funny, you know. We'd probably – in brutal honesty, we probably didn't have as good a team as we had in 2006 or right. 2005. Um, didn't have as good of individuals, I should say, but we had a better team and the team just worked well. Um, it was a great opportunity. Yes, I did come back and jump on the bandwagon, but it was a um, it was a surreal experience because yeah. the, the game before, the Tigers game, and that was the one we'd stumbled on every block and that's how we got the name, you know, the, the yeah. tag, the chokers, etc. And uh, that was the stumbling block. And I remember once we uh, won that game, which went down to the wire, thank God Bo Ryan made a break down the short side. They had about oh, 30 seconds to go and he's kicked the ball. It's gone dead and that was the end of the game. But we're only up by one point at that stage. Gotcha. So we kicked the field goal. And it was, it was weird. When we got past that hurdle, we were really confident in a non-arrogant way. We were mm. really confident that we're going to go on and win the comp. And Corey, it, was, it would have been heartbreak for you. 999, you have a fantastic season with the Dragons. Mm. But you get injured for the grand final against the Storm where we lost. Mm. That must have been tough, mate, to handle. It, it was. It was a bit upsetting at the time. But you, you got in that good a team, you think, well, we'll make it the following year so it doesn't matter. But yeah, reality is yeah. Yeah, it didn't happen. And, um, and the salary no, cap went from $7.5 million to about $3.5 Yeah. <laughs> it didn't help. Yeah. And, um, but we beat... Um, That's when Corey retired. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I got rid of Pia. I didn't take much of a dinner at the salary cap. I'll give you the tip. But, um, <laughs> but uh, no, we beat Melbourne um, Storm in Melbourne, the first semi-final, 34-10. And uh, that's when I hurt my shoulder. And, and um, Martin Raftery, who was the club doctor, good friend, he didn't go and get scans for some reason. And um, so we watched the next two semi-finals and actually had a fitness test leading into the grand final. And David Wade said, if you pass this, you're in. Oh, wow. And um, I went out, I just had no strength whatsoever in it. So I knew that I'd let the team down. So unfortunately, I, uh, I couldn't play. And then I went and got the scans and had a crack collarbone. So do you remember who took your spot? I do. Yeah. yeah the, 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 Is he still alive? The, 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 the fellow that took my spot was Craig Fitzgibbon. Oh, right. And he, ah. went on, and he went on and got the man of the match in the grand final. I was going to say, he did too. Yeah. 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 So, well, well, I, didn't know, I actually didn't know the answer to that. Yeah. <laughs> we could hear that one out there. Thanks, thanks for that, Chano. Now, mm. take, take, um, guys, Corey, Corey and I first met. It was in the, I think, New South Wales under 17 cricket team. You were a good cricketer. Were you a keeper? Um, oh, really? Like, Wicked keeper turned front rower. It's different build then, guys. Yeah, but, um, and he was my first roommate. <laughs> and I was a quiet, shy boy from the South Coast. And Corey had been playing cricket with the, with Petersham in, in the lower grades at, at that stage then. And, um, he was my first roommate in Adelaide, under 17s. And, uh, Corey walked out of the shower. He had a, this sort of pink pair of undies on like an elephant. Yeah. No, no price to be guessing what, what's in the trunk. And uh, we've been mates ever since, Corey, haven't we? What was he like as a roommate? He was a great roommate. He was good fun. Clean. But, but, well, he, he, was, he was quite tidy. He was always uh, – yeah. he used a lot of hairspray back then, I remember. Yeah. It killed my hair, I think. Yeah. Blame that anyway, the hairspray. Um, so, Gaz, I, I want to talk about when you went to, when, went to France. Now, I hear that playing rugby union in France – they're quite, they're quite bloody dirty and tough over there. What was it like, mate? I'd, in my experience, no. Yeah, right. They were. Um, it was the the Heineken Cup was probably a lot more physical. You know, right. you played the good Irish teams, okay. the English teams, the French teams. Toulouse were probably the best French team over there at the time, on par with Stade Francais. Because when I arrived at Stade Francais, there was, you know, twenty something internationals. Like it was crazy over there. You had a squad of forty eight. Salary cap of about, I think it was 32 million euro at the time. Wow. So it was a, it was a real eye opener, but there were some tough games down south. The, the, the players down south were, you know, like your kind of rural country boys in Australia. Yeah, gotcha. Um, but it was a really good experience in regards to, 
it was compulsory because it was run by a lot of private owners and a lot of presidents. It was compulsory and they were offended if you didn't that you all went and had a beer after the game. So you went back to the opposition's call it a league's club. It wasn't a league's club, but they had their uh, venues, etc. and you had a beer with them. And I really enjoyed that. The rugby was good in the warmer months. And, you know, in the greatest of respect, it was terrible in the winter months because it was raining a lot. It was just kick, 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 kick. Gotcha. Um, but as an overall experience, my wife and I, we, we had the best time of our life. We, we had no kids. We um, we lived in the heart of Paris and Beautiful. it was um, it was phenomenal. And I've done my research. Um, <laughs> apparently, you're, uh, the owner of the of the team, Stade Francais, was – how do I put this nicely? He was a very flamboyant sort of guy. He enjoyed, enjoyed, enjoyed male company. He did. did. Did you negotiate your contract in a spa with him or <laughs> – in the sauna. <laughs> it was, uh, mate, Max was, um, it was funny. It, it, it's funny. He was, uh, without knowing at the time, I actually learned a lot from him. And I know, yeah, go throw the comments out. <laughs> throw the comments out. Um, in the way that I've never seen a guy market to a female fan base and same with, wow. same with the gay community and embrace those fans that sit on the edge. So you've got your hardcore fans, your sure. rusted on fans yep. and things yep. like that. And then you've got the people that kind of sit in the peripheric that, you know, oh, I might go to a game, I might go here, I might go there. So what he did was created a lot of merchandise that appealed to them. And second of all, he made the game an event. So when you went there, Smart. there was fireworks, yep. there was crusty demons, Madonna played. It was it was wow. this phenomenal yeah. And his theory was that um he wanted it to be an event, not a game. So he was a um you know, and again respectfully he was a different man um because he was quite introverted at times, but then extravagant at other times. But he genuinely, genuinely cared about that team. A lot of the players, they they loved him. Go three comments again. No, they <laughs> they, um, they really loved him. And you know, when he was sad, they were sad. They he he'd mentored a lot of the guys through giving them an opportunity and looked after them. So. He was a good guy. Again, extravagant, um, yeah. but great guy. Sounds like he did a really good job, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, Corey, I want to ask you, uh, so we, we talked about your bit of playing junior cricket, and do you remember playing against Georgie Gregan? I do, mate, yeah. Uh, and under-17s, it was a, uh, the Australian Carnival. We were mm. in, I think, Canberra, mm. and uh, you were a wicketkeeper. George Gregan was the opening batsman for the Canberra team, the Canberra Comets, whatever they were called then. I think I took seven for twenty eight, but we couldn't we couldn't get we couldn't get Gregan out. And he was a tiny little African kid. And I think Corey said to him, mate, when are you gonna buy yourself a set of men's pads? <laughs> some good sledge, wasn't it? I, I think he opened the batting. He would have had some good sledge. He opened the batting and at lunchtime he was thirty four off about two hundred and ten balls <laughs> and uh, it was like pulling teeth, but um, but but he but he, he, he made great career as we know in in rugby union and what a leader for Australia. But uh, he did get square with me, George. I don't did know whether he, he realizes that or not, but um about 20 years later, a friend of mine and I bought an auction item. Um, it was a 2020 match um, out at the ANZ Homebush Stadium. Oh, to play on the ground. To play on the ground. Gotcha. There, yeah. there was a T20 game two nights before, so the ground was in immaculate condition. So we chose, well, I got you, of course, yes. to come in. You come in as vice and, and done yeah. well, killed him. And um, <laughs> I said, mate, you might ask George, might go full circle. So yeah. to his credit, he... He, he come along, cricket. George, he does, and he opened the batting and uh, he got 62, I think, so off about 150, <laughs> so he, he could still work on his strike rate. But um, where he did get me, because it was at Homebush and the guests that I brought along, I wanted to make it a true, like, in-ground experience, yeah. especially in the shed. So I organised a, uh, a nice bath. It was 48 degrees that day too. It was one of the hottest days yep. of all time. So the ice bath's there and uh, I thought I'll go in and get it sorted. So I jump in the ice bath and I'm in there for about five minutes and um, – I hop out, and as we all know, the ice baths don't do much for your, for your manhood. <laughs> so George bypassed the ice bath and went straight for the showers. 
And for those of you that don't know, George is extremely well endowed. <laughs> and I didn't know this at the time. So as I, I leave the ice bath after being in there for five minutes and make my way to the lockers, <laughs> I go past the shower and George says, Pierso, yeah. great day today, mate. And that's when I knew he got squared. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're having penis issues, please go ring 1-800. <laughs> Um, let's talk about. Uh, I want to talk about your, your time in the state of origin and cricket's very different. You're very honoured to play cricket for New South Wales, and you play cricket for your country, which is which is a great honour too. It seems a little bit about face in rugby league, where almost state of origin is more of a pinnacle than tests. Yeah, it is. Is, is, is that how you found it? Yeah, definitely. I, as a kid, I didn't. You know, yeah. as a kid, I had aspirations to play for Australia. I didn't necessarily mm. say well, I wanted to play for the Blues, but my aspirations were I wanted to play for Australia. But obviously, once you come into a, into grade and the hype and the anticipation around State of Origin, there's, there's nothing like it. Mm. And then the crowd supports that kind of anticipation and everything like that. Um, and, you know, it, the international games changed a lot, though. Like when I played, we were probably a lot more dominant than we were now. We've seen the Kiwis win a few times. Uh, the Poms have gone close. Mm. The Pacific Islands are getting a lot better as well. So the international games moved a little bit. But when I was playing, yeah, it was – probably more taken for granted um, and the kangaroo tours were probably um, a bit more of a fun time rather than good whereas time, when yeah. you go into camp in origin it's great it's a fun time for the first day but after that it gets serious and you yep. knuckle down and you work hard yeah and do you, do you have a, a highlight in your career from from state of origin times like when you when you thought you, you scored a try or, or a big win or because you know, to beat Queensland for me was the greatest thing people say in cricket Victoria's the biggest arch rival. I think it's Queensland. Yeah, well, I guess, yeah, it's yeah. based on that sort of tradition. Oh, yeah, definitely. 2005, we lost the first game and then we won the second game. So the decider went up into Queensland and we didn't have the football for, honestly, probably the first 13, 14 minutes. We defended our goal line set after set after set. And then I remember they put in a grubber kick, a mini scooped it up, went about 60, 70 metres. We got a penalty, kicked the goal. After that, we went on to win something like 34 14 yeah, or whatever gotcha. it was. It was the it was the last decider that New South Wales has ever won in Queensland. I think that one sticks in mind. Your debut, obviously. Sure. My debut was in difficult circumstances. But that was that was a special moment because that was Freddie's last and it was a decider at Homebush. So that was two thousand and four and, and that was pretty special as well because obviously your debut and then second of all, you're you're about to farewell a great. Sure. So you're kind of shitting yourself that you don't want to let him down and Yeah, it's special. It is. Who were your idols growing up? Um I used to love Ricky Stewart. I was a Canberra supporter as a kid. Wow. And then I jumped on the bandwagon. Then you met him. <laughs> I was coached by him my whole rep career pretty much. <laughs> um, nah, Stick, mate, Stick's a good fella. And then I jumped on the Parramatta bandwagon a little bit because I love Brett Kenny. Uh, yeah. And then I got to get coached by Bert uh, in city country, which was amazing. And then Ricky Stewart, I got coached by in Origin Australia. Um, and that's one thing I love about league. You know, these guys you idolize, mm. you, they do have an influence over your career. So then I got to the Dragon stage and guys like, you know, Brownie, Coiny, Corey Pearson, uh, Paul McGregor, Trent Barrett, Sean Timmons, all these guys, you don't realize how much they help or mentor you until you kind of become yeah, their age gotcha. in about 50 years' time. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then you realize the influence you can have on the young kids. So I was lucky that I come into a really good club. Like we had, we had really good blokes. We had the Illawarra boys that were very down to earth. Yes. We had the St. George boys that had a hell of a lot of experience uh, in football. We had Bardo and players like that mm. and Darren Tracy that were different as well. So um, 
yeah, you know, Rolsey was is still one of my best mates, and we had a really good experience around the, the senior players. I, I love growing up. Um, I grew up in Wollongong, and it was Illawarra Steelers before they merged with yeah. the Dragons. So going out, see, to, I love the Steelers. Going was, out to Win Stadium, you know, Skiffinelli, Pinchinelli, Rigolo, right yeah, Mary, Wishy, brothers, yeah, <laughs> Wish Art, Try, right? Oh, you've got to love the club, guys. So. Getting back to the forwards back thing, yeah, yes. I remember games at Cogra and everybody would go across to St. George Leagues Club and being in the front row, I'd get a $20 free steak from Sizzler, big Sizzler <laughs> on the corner and, and all the Pepsi Max post mix I could drink. Well, Gaz, he's up in the committee room in the boardroom <laughs> eating lobster and champagne. <laughs> but tell you what, that, that Sizzler across the road from um, from Cogra mm. was the longest lasting Sizzler in Australia. Well, so yeah, yeah. you obviously didn't. Corey get, kept his get, business. Get, get too many stakes. No, <laughs> well, that's right. And it was probably rightly so. Gaz had probably scored two or three tries that day. He won the game for us. He's probably entitled to do a yeah, nice glass of champagne. Just on the um, on, on the backs and forwards, in all seriousness, the, the massive injury now in all sport, or particularly contact sport, is around concussion and the long-lasting effects. Now, Corey... Uh, uh, someone played in the front row. You, you told me a story years ago. You played against... The hardest guy you played against was Tony Butterfield. You want to tell that story about you packing down in a scrum with him in one of your first games against Newcastle yeah. with the Johns brothers, but he was a hard guy, wasn't he? Well, I often get asked the question, who's the hardest guy you play against? And I, and I say Tony Butterfield. I mean, he uh, they come down from Newcastle and I remember turning up to the game and the bus was there and Newcastle bus, that is. They'd come down and half the team are getting off and butts is over in the grandstand on the stairs having a bunger. <laughs> and I thought, oh, fair enough, right here. So we played the game. It was my first decent year and I was going okay. And um, the first scrum and Butterfield and he's, he's come in and just gone bang right in the middle of my What headbutted you? Well, look, we'll, yeah. call, we'll call it a, Bloody a, oath push, it was. a push forward with the head. Okay. And um, – and then the wrestle, the wrestle. Mate, I used, to, I used to go in there for a rest. I'm a lover, not a fighter. When yeah. I packed my kit bag, I'd pack my sure. favourite circuit shirt before I packed my boots. Big time. But anyway, so I knew I had and one option here. And wear them both out. <laughs> not for long. But, um, mate, I had one option. And it was only the next scrum. I thought, if I don't do the same thing back here, he's just going to absolutely give it to me this whole game. Jeez. So I remember lining up and I just went, Bang. Push the, forward with the head. Push forward with the head. Yeah. And the one thing I remember is, geez, that hurt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then after that, it was just a wrestler on and um, he didn't give you an inch, mate. He was a, he was a tough boy. There's a lot, tough of, ombre. a lot of forwards say that too, that when you pack down against Butts, he used to oh, yeah. pop the old head. But, but that used to be the thing too. I nah, remember a lot of the guys yeah. coming that through the different great. era. That's it. So you got any memory uh, loss, Corey? <laughs> I remember there was a story <laughs> about you. There was, there, was, there was a story about you and Tony Butterfield, wasn't there? <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but tough days. But um, have, you, have you found that with some ex-players in the past who, who are having short – there's a lot of short-term memory loss going on and particularly – It's very topical at the moment. I mean, yeah. there's um, obviously you've got a couple of class actions going on in all codes. Yeah. That is, you know, right. uh, the AFL, the rugby, um, the NRL's had its issues too. And I think, you know, I was lucky enough to sit in on some seminars with the uh, what happened in the NFL overseas. And um, it, it's <laughs> – you, know, you believe one side. If you believe one side, then there is no argument. It's for other permitting factors that are associated with life, etc. But then, you know, you read articles that are only last week in the Telegraph that say that you know seventy three percent of NRL players are more likely to suffer, you know, depression, anxiety, memory sure. loss, and things like that. So, it's a scary space, I guess, mm. isn't it, Seeps? It's it's mm. it, it, in the way that. Um, 
it's a real deterrent, unfortunately, for participants as well. It's for kids and mm. parents. Like you've, you've got a, uh, you got two three kids. kids, three kids. Yeah. Um, well researched. Will, will, will you let? Yeah. Well, well the only picture I saw was only twelve. <laughs> you must have been busy since the photo. But um, no. But 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 one of the things. Will you let your kids play footy? So my eldest boy, Clarny, he plays. Yep. Um, but uh, if he enjoys it, I'll let him play. And I've got to be brutally honest. And, and I guess Seeps is. He, he can answer as well, but I never got pressured or pushed into playing. Mm-hmm. I didn't. Every time mm-hmm. I went on the field and I played, it was my choice. Yep. Um, and I'm probably not a good example because that's why I learned how to step. I didn't really like getting tackled. Whereas, you know, someone like Seeps that had the heavy contact. Couldn't step. Didn't have the option. <laughs> <laughs> then that's, that's kind of, um, yeah, oh, I guess that's the best way to sum it up that if, if, if a lot of these players um, commence a class action, then there has to be some sort of sincerity around that they feel they got neglected sure. in regards to the treatment or they got pressured into playing when they shouldn't have. Gotcha, Whereas mate. I never had that. So let's uh, have a quick break for lunch. We're at the Welcome Hotel in Roselle. We're 91 Evan Street, Roselle. And Timmy Condon, the publican here, is a great host. So thank you, Timmy. Look, there's Lebanese chicken skewers to kick off with. But the specialities, the pork cotoletta. Apparently unbelievable. Apple and fennel salad, mustard and caper sauce, dill and reggiano. Unbelievable. Uh, but they reckon the 100-day grain-fed scotch fillet with green onion butter, champ mash and crispy onion rings. Love that. Um, so I'm going to go the pork cotoletta. I think the boys want the steak. So with some chips, of course. Uh, and an O'Brien beer. Let's get started, boys. John O'Brien is a legend of Australia's beer industry. In 2003, he dreamed of producing a great-tasting beer that could be enjoyed by everyone, free from the ill effects of mass-produced wheat and barley. John began a brewing journey blending unique aromas and flavours offered by ancient grains such as sorghum and millet. He perfected recipes over time which have led to 40 local and international awards, including three gold medals at the Australian International Beer Awards, a gold medal at the Indies and a silver medal at the Beer World Cup. Proudly 100% Aussie-owned, made in Ballarat, O'Brien Beer is Australia's most awarded gluten-free beer and widely available around Australia through major retailers and online at rebellionbrewing.com.au. O'Brien Beer, the beer that loves your back. Spartan Sports is recognised as one of the world's most exciting and innovative sporting brands with a community focus. Our product range across cricket, rugby, football, volleyball, basketball and fitness has been developed to sell directly to any club, school, corporate or individual. Go to our website and order directly to your front door, www.spartansports.com. Spartan Sports, unearth the warrior in you. So you um, you have a very famous um, uncle in Reg Gaznia. Yeah. Um, and so so it's, it's in the blood. Footy's in, in your blood, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, but there's actually more football on mum's side. Really? So uh, she has the maiden name of Lapham. So Curly Lapham, I think, was the highest point scorer wow. for the NRL and before Beaver. Um, played for South, played for Australia. Uh, mum's brother played for St. George. Mum's dad played for St. George and I think representative. So, yeah, if I was a racehorse, I'd be going no, right. I was going to say, bad I was gonna, I was say <laughs> Corey, um, someone who's, who's worked – We've owned racehorses. We own one together, a very bad one. But um, but you've worked in the industry. Um, if you were buying a Colt or, or a Philly out oh, of Gasney, it'd be quite expensive, yeah, wouldn't it? It'd be a one and a half million dollar Colt. <laughs> mate. Be, uh, 
sporadic, bit lazy. <laughs> Parade well. <laughs> and and, you, and you, you're, you're, obviously, you're obviously like a punt, Corey. I do, mate. Yeah, yeah. not very successfully, yeah. but uh, no, I've always had a, a small share and a, a horse here or there, and. Uh, had a winner last week at uh, Belmont. Creator, actually. Uh, that was like Saturday week, but it's right. in again this Saturday at Belmont, and the trainer says that he's uh, he's very keen. So, uh, what was that horse that we had together? It was cost us about three hundred bucks a week in shoes. And I said, "What's it wearing?" Julius Marlowe's. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, mate, it was that good. I can't remember the name of it. Seems <laughs> has got a whole new shoe rack at home. Yeah. And I, I remember going. I remember watch going down to Cogra. You were playing, and I can't remember who your fullback was then. But there was a trumpeter in the crowd there at Cogra, <laughs> and they'd kick the ball off, and Corey would start from behind the dead ball line. <laughs> the fullback would catch it just in front of the post, and the trumpeter would go, Corey would run on the ball, and the Cogra crowd would pump up. Then there's about 15 punch ups in the crowd after that. Getting back to the fighting bit, I remember a game at Campbelltown Stadium. It was against Graham, he was a lock, he had red hair for the Sharks. Anyway, he was underneath. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, he's a bit of a yeah. ball playing lock. And um, he, he was underneath. I mean, he got a through th- through one. Through one. I, I couldn't believe he did it. And missed me. Nick Graham. Nick Graham, was it? Yeah. Nick Graham, yeah. So I've, oh, I thought, you can't do that. So I've thrown the big right and missed him. <laughs> and I got sent off. And in the in the conference afterwards, Should Terry Lamb, the coach, said, what did he get sent off for dancing? <laughs> Are you, um, <laughs> you, you played quite a bit with Chuck Mundine too, didn't you? Yeah. Um, yep. Mate, announced for whatever opinion you have of Chuck Mundine, um, for his opinions, he's a phenomenal sports person. Best sports person I've ever come across. Um, not only with his boxing and rugby league, uh, we'd have a basketball um, hoop set up with a three-point right. ring. And I think if you remember, he did some training with the Brisbane Bullets. Mate, he'd shoot seven or eight three-pointers in a right. row, or out of yeah. ten, I should say. But, mate, to give you an idea, of his, I've got so much time for Chuck. We, we used to uh, have a seven-a-side game at um, Perdition Cricket Club where I used to play, and um, – and it was just no crowd or anything like that. It was just amongst people and friends and um, and uh, Chalk, uh, Brownie and Nathan Blacklock come down and spent all afternoon mm-hmm. just having a hit. And one of the teams was shorter player. And Chalk said, oh, I'll go out in the field. Mate, he sat out in the, stood out in the field for an hour and a half just yeah. fielding cricket balls. And it just shows you what type of fella he is. He's, yeah. he's, I've got so much time for him. And in regards to his rugby league ability, he's, he, I put him in the same bracket as Gaz and Nathan Blacklock. There, there are so few players can that create. can create yeah. something out of nothing. Yeah. Like if you're in, if you're in trouble, yeah. you want the ball to go to them because yeah. they'll, they'll stand up one or two and inevitably score a try that'll win you the game. But they're, they're hard to come by and they're um, he's unique. One, he's one of the most generous people you'll ever meet, Chuck. Lovely really? guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah I've, I've heard some really good stories. You hear a lot of mm. people who've never met the – he always – yeah. People could say stuff and have never met him, right? But um, he's very outspoken. I think he's a lot smarter than people give him credit oh, for. Hundred percent. I think there's salesman chalk and then yeah. there's genuine chalk. Yeah, yeah. Exactly right. Guys, who, who was the who was the player that um, you played with that you thought was probably the best in your time? Besides Corey, of course. Far <laughs> <laughs> out. Oh, yeah, that makes it tough then. Yeah. Before or after the game. That's <laughs> <laughs> hands down. After the game. That's, that's undisputed. Yeah. Um, it's it, it's it's hard to go past um, Joey, just for oh, yeah. you know the best way to sum up Joey is he on the field. This is yep. he'd be 
always two steps ahead. So, you know, you'd be doing this play and then he'd be talking about who he's going to get at on the next play and who to punch in outside that hole and you stay here, you punch inside him while that play's going so on. he's calling all that while the game's happening. Why, why, why that play's happening. He's yeah. two plays ahead of that play. Wow. And then second of all, he was probably um, one of the first halfbacks that really ripped in defensively and mm, no disrespect to the tackle. pass. Yeah, he was mm. – well, he was 90. You know, the little bucket ass was 90-odd yeah. 90, 90 <laughs> kilo. Mm. Um, so he, he was – he was probably um, not from a raw talent point of view, but just from the smarts of playing the game and being one step ahead. In regards to raw talent, um, and one of my opponents I come up against, I always loved Matty Gidley. Yep. He was a freak. I remember the first time I come up against him, he just stepped and he was gone. It was like far right. out. It was just, he was there and then he was gone. Um, I got probably the last two years of the real height of his career. And then um, GI was another one that came in late that was just brute strength, speed. You know, just a freak of an athlete. Um, so probably as far as the top, top tier, I was lucky that I got to play with a fair few, but Joey would probably be the top. So if you're enjoying this episode, why don't you check out a previous episode with another former Dragon, Nathan Brown, and Hoodoo Guru's front man, Dave Faulkner. What would you do? You were in my shoes. Guys, I know you and I had a, we had a chat before the start of the season, and I, as I said, I'm a, I'm a mad Dragons fan, and I thought we we're going to have a real tough year this year. I think you, you sort of shared the same yeah. view. They're going well, the boys. They are a little upset last week. Them, yeah. No, I don't jinx them, but it was a good um, game. Though, but last it's a big week. match. Big, big match coming against the Roosters this weekend. Yeah, oh, it's Anzac Day too. Yes. I mean, those Anzac Day clashes, you can throw form out the window. You, yep. you really can. The Roosters limp in with a lot of injuries. Um, the Dragons have been, you know, I guess, you know, I think I said it to you last time too, Shane. The one thing Hook, Anthony Griffin brings is effort and discipline. Yep. And I think that showed in their performance. Completion uh, rates are good. Exactly. A lot of it hasn't been fancy, but it's been consistent in regards mm. to effort. So um, they were good without being great against the Warriors. The Warriors were just, you know, a little bit more creative, a little bit more disciplined with the ball. But yeah, I think I love the Anzac Day clash. I really do. Talk about discipline. When I, um, when I sold out of my media business years ago, I, I had a one-year non-compete. I went and worked with Corey at Sporting Bet. <laughs> <laughs> Ill-disciplined, but uh, we, we had a good time, didn't we? We were looking for, we were looking for punters, Corey, and we are going around. And I remember we went to the Launceston Cup, and I'm not a big punter personally, Corey is, but um, we had we had eight guests there in, in the Maya Marquee, I think it was, down in Launceston. And Corey said, right, everyone put $50 in, all our clients, and Shane goes first. Um, Shane gets to pick a, a horse in the first race for $50. If it wins, he goes to 100 and I think I backed eight in a row that day. And as I took off to celebrate and do the Toyota jump in the air celebration, I tore my quad. <laughs> remember that, Corey? You did. I do remember that. And, um, <laughs> after the races, I said, oh, we're all going out. Where are we going? I said, oh, we can't go out. <laughs> <laughs> he went straight back to the room and yeah, um, got home about two, 2 o'clock in the morning and uh, – he rings me up and says, oh, mate, have you got any tablets like any Nurofen, any painkillers? I said, mate, I've got, well, I've got Nurofen. I've got two of those, only, only for hangover, but I'll give you them. So I give him two of them and I got some ice from downstairs and he put his leg up on the stool and literally the ice just touched this, his skin and... He's tricking us on that. Well, I won everyone two thousand dollars on the tail day. So you, was, you yeah, did was, very well. But getting back to you uh, put in a lot of business too. <laughs> <didn't Shane's> you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I was terrible oh, that job. <laughs> getting back to Shane's career at Sporting Bet, um, one of the one of the when he first started, he, he parked his car in the um, North Sydney um, day one 
yeah, day one at the uh, council car park. <laughs> and one of the bosses said, look, if you're in the office after lunchtime, you're really not doing your job because you, you should be out yeah, looking, job seriously. Yeah, looking for clients. So he took his job very seriously, Shane. Three weeks his car <laughs> never left the council car park. That is no word <laughs> no, no of a lie, yeah. The, uh, the first client that he put on won about 800000 <laughs> Um, so throw in his salary and expenses. I'll tell you about his expenses. In it cost the company a million dollars to have Esley involved for 12 months. But his expenses was one that I did like. He, um, he The first time he put them in after a month, and, and I'd been there a while and um, was doing okay. And, and my expense was about 2000 a month on catering, whatever. Yep. So Shane said, how much or what, what should I put in for? And I said, listen, if you keep it at 1500 I said, you should be fine. So... Shane puts his expenses in. He, our old boss Wayne, he knocks on the door and says, "Wayne, can I? Can you approve these expenses, please?" <laughs> so he hands over the expense form. Fourteen hundred ninety-nine. Forty. I reckon that's about right. Now, Wayne, if you can picture this, he had glasses on and he put his glasses over his nose, and one eye up, one eyebrow down, and he looks at Shane at every transaction. He looks down at the paper. Yep. Then looks up at Shane. Yeah. Shane's thinking to himself, he told me $1,500 would be all right. After about five minutes of that, Wayne looks up, hands Shane the form and says, Shane, next time don't forget to put your name on top of the form. <laughs> Signed off. Signed yeah. off. Approved. Put me, put, me, put me through the absolute ringer. Now, guys, we like, to, we like to ask everyone that comes on the show the same question, and the question is this. Um, if a young boy or girl um, asks you for advice about they want to go into a career for rugby league or rugby union, what advice would you give them? Yeah, chase your dream. I mean, okay. there's a – I think the whole pathway system is going to change a lot. Mm-hmm. I really do. Um, and I think it's appropriate it changes in regards to the transition from non-contact to contact in a controlled environment and a pathway system. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, you know yourself, Shana, you – there was nothing that was going to stop you from playing cricket. That's right. And and, and I was the same with football. You, you didn't really care. You know, I remember Rosie saying one time when we made the Australian team and it was just after the um, 9-11 stuff had happened. And he said, mate, I'll play in Afghanistan if we have to. Like, yeah. I just mm. want to go on that yeah. kangaroo tour. Yeah. And to a lot of people, that's not logical. But when but you hold those ambitions and aspirations, think, yeah. it's just how yeah. you are and yeah. that's how you're wired. So, I think it's probably up to people outside of that chain to put in the appropriate environment and protocols in place to give them the best managed pathway system to achieve their dreams as possible. And Corey, I'll ask you, and uh, let's pretend my son Thomas is now six, says to you and he's 10, Corey, I want to play rugby league. What advice would you give him? Train hard and be punctual. Right. Punctual. Yeah. yeah. Nice. yeah. You can't be late for training. Yeah. I was late for training once. So I won't tell you that story. But um, that's hey, in 10 years. Brent Kite, you saw him all the time. You're in the rep teams, Kite, God love him. He would rock up one minute before you had to be there. And they're just eight sticky up. You oh, could see yeah, him. Yeah. He'd be we'll, sitting we'll, there like furious. Like, where is he? And he'd yeah. just yeah. get there one minute before. Yeah. But <laughs> well, it comes out of respect too for your, for your team, Teammates, for yourself, yeah. for yep. your coach, yeah, for your right. fans, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah, it does. Now, I want to introduce a new segment. Um, oh, look, yeah. I think we're about, Dan, I think we're about 50 shows in, Lunch with Lee. There or thereabouts. You got a sponsor for so this new segment? segment? Well, well, we can sporting do. Sporting bear? No, not sporting bear. They're, they're no longer there. But um, and and the segment's going to be around. We get fans who um, they know who's coming on the show, 
and we went through a heap of questions on the website, and, and the first question goes to Corey Pearson, and it's from a guy called Stephen Worm Sullivan, <laughs> and and he says on the website he he knew he apparently played cricket with you at Peter's. Yes, he did. And, yes, um, I know, and, very and, well. and he said at seventeen you had your first girlfriend who was actually older than your mother at that stage. <laughs> Her name was Cheryl, and she was living at home. Did she ever move out? He wants to know that question. <laughs> I think I think he's fabricating. There. I don't know what I'm getting that. What I think. So. Oh, boys, listen! I want to thank you both for coming on the show. It's a real honour to sit with like, two mates, but uh, two dragons. Go go the big red V this year. Well, we're going to be fully supporting them, and um, I, I think both you guys have handled yourself both brilliantly, both on and off the field. You guys have both made the transition post career too into business. Now, guys, you're doing a lot of stuff now in the round. I know you, you even studied law at certain stages. And Corey, you made a great transition into the gaming and sports industry and also horse racing. But you're two fantastic guys on the field. You're always a good laugh. So thanks for coming on the show. Thanks, thanks Shane. Shane. Thanks, thanks for having us, boys. Cheers. That's it for Lunch With Lee this week. A big thank you goes out to our guests, Mark Gaznia and Corey Pearson. Thanks to Hilton Headley for your hard work behind the scenes and making things happen. And thanks to our sponsors, Athlon Partners, Spartan Sports and O'Brien Beer. A special thank you goes out to the Welcome Hotel in Roselle for having us for lunch. What a magnificent afternoon. Make sure you hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from. And do us a favour, hit five stars and if you're passionate, leave a review. And come check us out in our socials. I'm at Lunch With Lee. Next week, we'll be checking some more legends about music, sport and business on another cracker episode of Lunch With Lee. We'll see you then. Dun, dun, dun.